1: Rihanna, Barney, Candace Burroughs, Jordan Bergener, Latoya Williamson, Jennifer Frakes, Hannah Dubrow, Nikki Warren, Yokika Hornsby, and Susan Guathme. Thank you all so, so much for being patrons of the Sleepy Podcast and being a part of making this show. And for anyone who doesn't know, all of these wonderful names that I just read, they're brand new supporters of Sleepy on Patreon.com slash Radio, where you can go on and donate a dollar or two dollars or five dollars a month, all with different perks. But no matter how much you donate, uh, even if it's a dollar, you get your name read in the opening credits of the next show. At five dollars, you get access to a special exclusive patreon poetry feed where i send you extra poetry readings each month and you also get entered into all of our book raffles where we give away the books that we read on the show so if you would like to be a part of making the sleepy podcast just go to patreon.com slash sleepy radio thank you i also just want to say a quick reminder go check out our wonderful new sister podcast Dreamy which is hosted by Kristen Eddy and she'll read you classic tales to help you sleep just like me and she'll be posting every Monday and I'll be posting every Sunday so keep coming back for your sleepy Sundays and dreamy Mondays you can find dreamy wherever podcasts are found and as always the music that you're hearing is by my good friend James Lebkowski, and the cover art for Sleepy is by Gracie Kanan. Tonight, I'm gonna be reading from a wonderful copy of The Merry Adventures of Robin Hood by Howard Pyle. I've actually never read this book before. I just remember the cartoon that I loved as a kid. That was one of the handful of VHSs that we had since uh, I didn't really grow up with TV. My mom actually lied and said that TV didn't reach our house since we were so far up in the woods and uh, seemed pretty reasonable to my brother and I growing up. So we lived and breathed by the stack of VHSs that we had under our old TV. And Robin Hood was definitely one of our favorites. So tonight, a snoozy reading of Robin Hood by Howard Pyle. And now is the time for you to fluff up your pillow just how you like it. Feel yourself melt into your bed, get real comfortable, close your eyes, and let me read to you. the time of old, when good King Henry II ruled the land, there lived within the green glades of Sherwood Forest near Nottingham Town, a famous outlaw whose name was Robin Hood. No archer ever lived that could speed a gray goose shaft with such skill and cunning as his, nor were there ever such yeomen as the seven-score merry men that roamed with him through the greenwood shades. Right merrily, they dwelled within the depths of Sherwood Forest, suffering neither care nor want, but passing the time in merry games of archery or bouts of cudgel play, living upon the king's venison, washed down with draughts of ale of October's brewing. Not only Robin himself, but all the band were outlaws and dwelled apart from other men. Yet they were beloved by the country people round about, for no one ever came to Jolly Robin for help in time of need and went away again with an empty fist. And now I will tell you how it came about that Robin Hood fell afoul of the law. When Robin was a youth of eighteen, stout of sinew and bold of heart, the sheriff of Nottingham proclaimed a shooting match and offered a prize of a butt of ale to whosoever should shoot the best shaft in Nottinghamshire. Now, quoth Robin, will I go too, for fain would I draw a string for the bright eyes of my lass, and a bud of good October brewing. So up he got, and took his good stout yew bow, and a score more broad cloth-yard arrows, and started off from Locksley Town, through Sherwood Forest, to Nottingham. It was at the dawn of day, in the merry Maytime when hedgerows are green and flowers bedeck the meadows, daisies pied and yellow cuckoo buds, and fair primroses all along the briary hedges, when apple buds blossom and sweet birds sing, the lark at dawn of day, the throstle cock and cuckoo, when lads and lasses look upon each other with sweet thoughts, when busy housewives spread their linen to bleach upon the bright green grass, Sweet was the greenwood, as he walked along its path, and bright and green and rustling leaves amid which the little bird sang with might and main, And blithely Robin whistled as he trudged along, thinking of Maid Marion and her bright eyes, for at such times a youth's thoughts are wont to turn pleasantly upon the last that he loves the best. As thus he walked along, with a brisk step and a merry whistle, he came suddenly upon some forester seated beneath a great oak tree. Fifteen there were in all, making themselves merry with feasting and drinking, as they sat around a huge pasty, to which each man helped himself, thrusting his hands into the pie and washing down, that which they ate with great horns of ale, which they drew all foaming from a barrel that stood nigh. Each man was clad in Lincoln green, and a fine show they made seated upon the sward beneath that fair spreading tree. Then one of them, with his mouth full, called out to Robin, Aloha, where goest thou, little lad, with thy one penny bow and thy farthing shafts? Then Robin grew angry, for no stripling likes to be taunted with his green years. Now, quoth he, my bow and eke mine arrows are as good as thine, and moreover, I go to the shooting match at Nottingham Town. Which same has been proclaimed by our good sheriff in Nottinghamshire. There, I will shoot with other stout yeomen, for a prize has been offered of a fine butt of ale. Then one who held a horn of ale in his hand said, "Oh, listen to the lad. Why, boy, thy mother's milk is yet scarce dry upon thy lips." And yet thou, brightest of standing up with good stout men at Nottingham butts, Thou, who art scarce able to draw one string of a two-stone bow. I'll hold the best of you twenty marks, quoth bold robin, That I hit the clout at three-score rods by the good help of our lady fair. At this, all laughed aloud, And one said, Well boasted, thou fair infant, well boasted, And well thou knowest that no target is nigh to make good thy wager. And another cried, He'll be taking ale with his milk next. At this Robin grew right mad. Hark ye, said he, yonder at the glades end, I see a herd of deer, even more than three score rods distant. I hold you twenty marks, that, by leave of Our Lady, I cause the best heart among them to die." Now done, cried he who had spoken first, and here are twenty marks. I wager that thou causest no beast to die, with or without the aid of Our Lady. Then Robin took his good yew bow in his hand, and placing the tip at the instep, he strung it right deftly. Then he knocked a broad cloth-eared arrow, and raising the bow, drew the gray goose feather to his ear. The next moment, the bowstring rang, and the arrow sped down the glade as a sparrowhawk skims in a northern wind. I leaped the noblest heart of all the herd, only to fall dead, reddening the green path with his heart's blood. Ha! cried Robin, how likest thou that shot, good fellow? I wot the wager were mine, and it were three hundred pounds. Then all the foresters were filled with rage, then he who had spoken the first and had lost the wager was more angry than all. Nay, cried he, the wager is none of thine, and get thee gone straightway, or by all saints of heaven, I'll base thy sides until thou wilt ne'er be able to walk again. Knowest thou not, said another, that thou hast killed the king's deer? and by the laws of our gracious lord and sovereign King Harry, thine ears should be shaven close to thy head. Catch him, cried a third. Nay, said a fourth, let mean go because of his tender ears. Never a word, said Robin Hood, but he looked at the foresters with a grim face, then turning on his heel, strode away from them down the forest glade but his heart was bitterly angry for his blood was hot and youthful and prone to boil now well would it have been for him who had first spoken had he left Robin Hood alone but his anger was hot both because the youth had gotten the better of him and because of the deep draughts of ale that he had been quaffing. So, of a sudden, without any warning, he sprang to his feet and seized upon his bow and fitted it to a shaft. Aye, cried he, and I'll hurry thee anon. And he sent the arrow whistling after Robin. It was well for Robin Hood that the same forester's head was spinning with ale, or else he would have never taken another step. As it was, the arrow whistled within three inches of his head. Then he turned around and quickly drew his own bow and sent an arrow back in return. He said I was no archer, he cried aloud, but say so now again. The shaft flew straight. The archer fell forward with a cry and lay on his face upon the ground, his arrows rattling about him from out of his quiver. The gray grew shaft wet with his heart's blood. Then before the others could gather their wits about them, Robin Hood was gone into the depths of the greenwood. Some started after him, but not with much heart, for each feared to suffer the death of his fellow. So presently they all came and lifted the dead man up and bore him away to Nottingham Town. Meanwhile, Robin Hood ran through the greenwood. Gone was all the joy and brightness from everything, for his heart was sick within him and it was borne in upon his soul that he had slain a man. Alas, cried he, thou hast found me an archer that will make thy wife to ring. I would thou thou hast ne'er said one word to me, or that I had never passed thy way, or e'en that my right forefinger had been stricken off, ere that this happened. In haste I smote, but grieve I sore at leisure. And then, even in his trouble, he remembered the old saw, that what is done is done, and the egg cracked cannot be cured. And so he came to dwell in the greenwood that was to be his home for many a year to come, never again to see the happy days with the lads and lasses, of sweet Locksley Town, where he was outlawed, not only because he had killed a man, but also because he had poached upon a king's deer, and two hundred pounds were set upon his head as a reward for whoever would bring him to the court of the king. Now the sheriff of Nottingham swore that he himself would bring his name Robin Hood to justice, and for two reasons. First, because he wanted the two hundred pounds, and next, because the forester that Robin Hood had killed was of kin to him. But Robin Hood lay hidden in Sherwood Forest for one year, and in that time there gathered round him many others like himself, Cast out from other folk for this cause and for that. Some had shot deer in hungry winter time when they could get no other food and had been seen in the act by the foresters, but had escaped, thus saving their ears. Some had been turned out of their inheritance that their farms might be added to the king's land in Sherwood Forest. Some had been despoiled by a great baron or a rich abbot, or a powerful esquire. All for one cause or another. had come to Sherwood to escape wrong and oppression. So, in all that year, five score more good stout yeomen gathered about Robin Hood and chose him to be their leader and chief. Then they vowed that even as they themselves had been despoiled they would despoil their oppressors whether baron, abbot, knight or squire and that from each they would take that which had been wrung from the poor by unjust taxes or land rents or wrongful fines. But to the poor folk they would give a helping hand in need and trouble and would return to them that which had been unjustly taken from them. Besides this, they swore never to harm a child, nor to wrong a woman, be she maid, wife, or widow, so that after a while, when the people began to find that no harm was meant to them, but that money for food came in time of want to many a poor family, they came to praise Robin and his merry men and to tell many tales of him and of his doings in Sherwood Forest, for they felt him to be one of themselves. Up rose Robin Hood one merry morn, when all the birds were singing blithely among the leaves, and up rose his merry men, each fellow washing his head and hands in the cold brown brook. That leaped laughing from stone to stone. Then said Robin, For fourteen days have we seen no spore, so now I will go abroad to seek adventures forthwith. But tarry ye, my merry men all, here in the greenwood, only see that ye mind well my call three blasts upon the bugle horn I will blow in my hour of need, then come quickly, for I shall want your aid. So saying, he strode away through the leafy forest glades until he had come to the verge of Sherwood. There he wandered for a long time, through highway and byway, through dingley dell and forest skirts. Now he met a fair buxom lass in a shady lane And each gave the other a merry word Then passed their way Now he saw a fair lady upon an ambling path, To whom he doffed his cap And who bowed sedately in return to the fairy youth Now he saw a fat monk on a pannier laden ass Now a gallant knight with spear and shield an armor that flashed brightly in the sunlight. Now a page clad in crimson, and now a stout burger from good Nottingham Town, pacing along with serious footsteps. All these sights he saw, but adventure found he none. At last he took a road by the forest skirts, a bypath that dipped toward a broad pebbly stream spanned by a narrow bridge made of a log of wood. As he drew nigh this bridge, he saw a tall stranger coming from the other side. Thereupon Robin quickened his pace, as the stranger did likewise, each thinking to cross first. Now stand thou back, quoth Robin, and let the better man cross first. Nay, answered the stranger, then stand back thine own self, for the better man I wot am I. That we will presently see, quoth Robin, and meanwhile stand thou where thou art, or else by the bright brow of Saint Alfreda. I will show thee right good nodding and play for the cloth-eared shack betwixt the ribs. Now, quoth the stranger, I will tan thy hide till it be as many colors as a beggar's cloak, if thou darest so much as touch a string of that same bow that thou holdest in thy hand. Thou pratest like an ass, said Robin. For I could send this shaft clean to thy proud heart before a colonel friar could say grace over a roast goose of Michael mastied, And thou prayedest like a coward, answered the stranger, for thou standest there with a good yew bow to shoot at my heart, while I have not in my hand but a plain blackthorn staff wherewith to meet thee. Now, quoth Robin, by the faith of my heart, never had I had a coward's name in all my life before. I will lay by my trusty bow and eke my arrows, and if thou darest abide my coming, I will go and cut a cudgel to test thy manhood withal. Aye, Mary, that will I abide thy coming, and joyously too. Quoth the stranger whereupon he leaned sturdily upon his staff to await Robin then Robin Hood stepped quickly to the cover side and cut a good staff of ground oak straight without flaw and six feet in length and came back trimming away the tender stems from it while the stranger waited for him leaning upon his staff and whistling as he gazed round about. Robin observed him furtively as he trimmed his staff, measuring him from top to toe from at the corner of his eye, and thought that he had never seen a lustier or a stouter man. Tall was Robin, but taller was the stranger by a head and a neck, for he was seven feet in height, Broad was Robin across the shoulders, but broader was the stranger by twice the breadth of a palm while he measured at least an hour around the waist. Nevertheless, said Robin to himself, I will baste thy hide right merrily, my good fellow. Then aloud, Lo, here is my good staff, lusty and tough, that wait my coming, and thou darest, and meet me, and thou fearest not. Then we will fight, until one or the other of us tumble into the stream of dint of blows. Mary, that meeteth my whole heart, cried the stranger, twirling his staff above his head, betwixt his fingers and thumb, until it whistled again. Never did the knights of Arthur's round table meet in a stouter fight than did these two. In a moment Robin stepped quickly upon the bridge where the stranger stood. First he made a feint, and then delivered a blow at the stranger's head that had it met its mark, it would have tumbled him speedily into the river. But the stranger returned the blow right deftly and in return gave one a stout, which Robin also turned as the stranger had done. So they stood, each in his place, neither moving a finger's breath back, for one good hour, and many blows were given and received by each in that time, till here and there were sore bones and bumps, yet neither thought of crying enough nor seemed likely to fall from off the bridge. Now and then they stopped to rest, and each thought that he never had seen all his life before such a hand at quarterstaff. At last, Robin gave the stranger a blow upon the ribs that made his jacket smoke like a damp straw thatch in the sun. So shrewd was the stroke that the stranger came within a hair's breadth of falling off the bridge, but he regained himself right quickly, and by a dexterous blow, gave Robin a crack on the crown that caused the blood to flow. Then Robin grew mad with anger, and smote with all his might at the other, but the stranger warded the blow, and once again thwacked Robin. And this time so fairly that he fell heels overhead into the water, as the queen pin falls in the game of bowls. And where art thou now, my good lad? shouted the stranger, roaring with laughter. Oh, in the flood and floating it down with the tide, cried Robin. Nor could he forbear laughing himself at this sorry plight. Then gaining to his feet, he waded to the bank, the little fish speeding hither and thither, all frightened at his splashing. Give me thy hand, cried he, when he had reached the bank. I must needs own, thou art a brave and sturdy soul, and withal a good stout stroke with the cudgels. By this and by that my head hummeth, like to a hive of bees On a hot June day Then he clapped his horn To his lips And winded a blast And went echoing sweetly Down the forest path Ay, Mary, Quoth he again Thou art a tall lad An eco-brave one For ne'er, I trow Is there a man Betwixt here and Canterbury town Could do the like to me That thou hast done and thou, quoth the stranger, laughing, Takest thy cudgelling like a brave harp and stout yeoman. But now the distant twigs and branches Rustled with the coming of men, And suddenly a score or two of good stout yeomen, All clad in Lincoln green, Burst from out the cover, With merry will stutely at their head. Good master, cried Will, how is this? Truly thou art all wet, head to foot, and that to the very skin. Why, Mary, answered Jolly Robin, yon stout fellow hath tumbled me neck and crop into the water, and hath given me a drubbing beside. Then shall he not go without a ducking and eke a drubbing himself, cried Will stutely. Have at him, lads. Then Will and a score of yeomen leaped upon the stranger, but though they sprang quickly, they found him ready and felt him strike right and left with his stout staff, so that, though he went down with press of numbers, some of them rubbed cracked crowns before he was overcome. Nay, forbear! cried Robin, Laughing until his sore sides ate. He is a right good man, and true. No harm shall befall him. Now hark ye, good youth. Wilt thou stay with me, and be one of my band? Three suits of Lincoln green shalt thou have each year. Beside forty marks and fee, and share with us whatsoever good shall befall us. Thou shalt eat sweet venison, and quaff the stoutest ale, and mine own good right hand, man, shalt thou be, for never did I see such a cudgel player in all my life before. Speak, wilt thou be one of my good merry men? That know I not, quoth the stranger, certainly, for he was angry at being so tumbled about. If ye handle ye bow, and apple shaft no better than ye do oaken cudgel, I wot ye are not fit to be called yeaiman in my country. But if there be any man here that can shoot a better shaft than I, then will I bethink me of joining with you. Now by my faith," said Robin, "thou art a right saucy varlet, Syrah." Yet I will stoop to thee as I never stooped to man before. Good Stuteley, cut thou a fair white piece of bark, four fingers in breadth, and set it four score yards distant on a yonder oak. Now, stranger, hit that fairly with a grey goose shaft, and call thyself an archer. Ay, Mary, thy will I marry thy well-eye. Answered he, give me a good stout bow, and a fair broad arrow, and if I hit it not, strip me and beat me blue with bowstrings. Then he chose the stoutest bow among them all, next to Robin's own, and a straight grey goose shaft, well feathered and smooth, and stepping out to the mark, while all the band Sitting or lying upon the greensward, watched to see him shoot. He drew the arrow to his cheek, and loosed the shaft right deftly, sending it so straight down the path that it clove the mark in the very centre. "Aha!" cried he. "Men, thou, that if thou canst, while even the yeomen clapped their hands at so fair a shot." That is a keen shot indeed, Quoth Robin. Mend it, I cannot, mar it, I may, perhaps. Then taking up his own good stout bow, And knocking an arrow with care, He shot with his very greatest skill. Straight flew the arrow, And so true that it lit fairly Upon the stranger's shaft, And split it, into splinters. Then all the yeomen leaped to their feet and shouted for joy that their master had shot so well. Now by the lusty you bow of good saint Withal, cried the stranger, that is a shot indeed, and never saw I the like of it in all my life before. Now truly will I be thy man henceforth, And for I, good Adam Bell, was a fair shot, but never shot he so. Then have I gained the right to a good man this day, quoth jolly Robin. What name goest thou by, good fellow? Men call me John Little, whence I came, answered the stranger. Then well astutely, who loved a good jest, spoke up. Nay, fair little stranger, said he, I like not thy name, and fain I would have it otherwise. Little art thou indeed, and small of bone and sinew, therefore shalt thou be christened little John, and I will be thy godfather. Then Robin Hood and all his band laughed aloud, until the stranger began to grow angry. And thou make a jest of me," quoth he to Will Stewley, "thou wilt have sore bones and little pay, and that in short season." "Nay, good friend," said Robin Hood, "bottle thine anger; for the name fitteth thee well." Little John, shall thou be called henceforth, and Little John shall it be. So come, my merry men, we will prepare a christening feast for this fair infant. So turning their backs upon the stream, they plunged into the forest once more, through which they traced their steps, till they reached the spot where they dwelled in the depths of the woodland. There they built huts of bark and branches of trees and made couches of sweet rushes spread over with skins of fallow deer. Here stood a great oak tree with branches spreading broadly around, beneath which was a seat of green moss where Robin Hood was wont to sit at feast and at merrymaking with his stout men about him. Here they found the rest of the band, some of whom have come in with a brace of fat does. Then they all built great fires, and after a time roasted the does and broached a barrel of humming ale. Then when the feast was ready, they all sat down. But Robin placed little John at his right hand, and he was henceforth to be the second in the band. Then when the feast was done, Will Stuteley spoke up. It is now time, I ween, to christen our bonny babe, is it not so, merry boys? And I, aye, cried all, laughing till the woods echoed with their mirth. Then seven sponsors shall we have, quoth Will Stuteley, and hunting among all the band, he chose the seven stoutest of them all. "'Now by St. Dunstan,' cried little John, "'springing to his feet, "'more than one of you shall rue it, "'and you lay a finger upon me.' "'But without a word they all ran upon him at once, "'seizing him by his legs and arms, "'and holding him tightly in spite of his struggles, "'and they bore him forth "'while all stood around to see the sport. "'Then one came forward, who had been chosen to play the priest because he had a bald crown and in his hand he carried a brimming pot of ale. Now, who bringeth this babe? asked he right soberly. That do I, answered Will Stuteley. And what name callest thou him? Little John, call I him. Now, little John, Quoth the mock priest, thou hast not lived heretofore, but only got thee long through the world, but henceforth thou wilt live indeed. When thou livest, not thou wast called John Little, but now that thou dost live indeed, Little John, thou be called, so christen I thee. And at these last words he emptied the pot of ale upon Little John's head. Then all shouted with laughter as they saw the good brown ale stream over Little John's beard and trickle from his nose and chin while his eyes blinked with the smart of it. At first he was of a mind to be angry, but found he could not because the others were so merry. So he, too, laughed with the rest. Then Robin took this sweet, pretty babe, clothed him all anew from top to toe in Lincoln Green, and gave him a good stout bow, and made him a member of the merry band.